Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. Um, I work at UC Davis in the plant pathology department. You're a mad scientist. <laughs> I don't do any experiments myself, but I could release a bunch of aphids out in the world aphids. and cause a lot of problems. <laughs> are those the ones that the ladybugs eat? <laughs> there <are> they. <laughs> I think I remember that they from are. like a coloring book when I was a kid. Aphid. What a cr- what a ridiculous name for a bug. But anyhow, okay. they honestly, when I first saw them, I thought of like lice yeah. in your hair, and that's yeah. like the easiest comparison. But like lice for plants. Wow. Yeah, my my grandmother had roses, um, and they they would tear up like the leaves and stuff. Uh, the aphids that we use carry a virus. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is move uh, viruses from one plant to another plant. Um, so that's kind of the background of the work that I do. But um, and and you would want to remove the you would want to transfer these viruses for what end goal? Um, so the postdocs are actually working on individual experiments and projects themselves. Mm-hmm. One of them, I'll say, has been trying to move drought resistance from one plant to another. Yeah. So say we found drought resistance in tomatoes, but we haven't been able to move it to corn. Mm-hmm. They, we can try to get this aphid to move want this virus from like a viral genome um, that has drought resistance from the tomato to corn without having to like crossbreed them or something because they're two different plants. We can't crossbreed them. They have a different number of, of chromosomes. Right. Oh, of um, course. So, I don't know. So, it's a form of genetic engineering. Yeah, it's a form of genetic engineering. Um, Right now, we're just trying to see if we... I know one of the the postdocs are working on um, seeing how the insect and the virus uh, are in response to the plant. Um, So, like, the plant will produce two different hormones. each of them individually for if it was the virus. So a virus will induce, I think it is salicylic acid response. And then it like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it, it uh, fights back the, the virus. Uh, but then it will secrete jasmonic acid to kill off the, um, the aphid in this case. But the thing is, if the aphid and the virus are together... Mm-hmm. the virus will first take effect. So the plant will start producing salicylic acid in defense of the virus, mm-hmm. but then it'll give the chance to, for the aphid to feed on the plant. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is after it responds to the virus, then it tries to respond with jasmonic acid. But there's some sort of like precursor that we, we monitor the precursor ethylene, mm-hmm. but, um, ACC, uh, ACC is the precursor for ethylene. So ethylene does something, and um, we're not sure what that's what people are trying to investigate, that um, stops the response of jasmonic acid levels to go up because mm. there's SA. So SA and JA have some sort of um, interaction with ethylene. And so instead of jasmonic acids levels going up in response to the plant, they actually go down. Hmm. So then the aphid just can feed. So the virus kind of takes the hit for the insect, for the insect to feed. Um, so that's one of the projects. I, I would say that's the main like project that I know of that I've been assisting with. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I think the the like the main issue in the lab is that the PI has been causing a lot of issues yeah, yeah, with yeah. miscommunication. It's not, it's not the jasmonic acid. It's not the jasmonic acid <laughs> issue. <laughs> it's the, it's the people. It's the people, the people not the aphids. With, not the aphids. I'm sorry, aphids. Um, okay, so what's going on with the people? So this is the background of the experiments you're working on, but then you yeah. said today was particularly uh, odd. Just when you think science is the compl- like the problem. <laughs> nah, it's the, it's the PI. Yeah, so what did they... So uh, the PI's gone. Poof, she's in Cornell. And she, didn't re- she hasn't let anybody know. Um, she never lets anybody know. When she leaves, she just kind of disappears. Mm-hmm. So the lab has been kind of calm. But okay. uh, I met with academic affairs today um, because, uh, well, it's the second time I've met with academic affairs. The issue in the lab has kind of escalated. Yeah. We have lost two postdocs now and we're down to two. Yeah. So literally half of our postdocs are gone. Um, Anna left to Ecuador and she's not coming back. She put in a resignation and, you know, the, the PI hasn't let anybody in the lab know. We're just kind of still taking care of her plants, even though she's not coming back. Is she from Ecuador? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, and then Arsenio, he his last day was on Friday. So on Monday, he was gone. And it's been kind of chaos of like trying to take over his work. Um, and... Uh, I addressed some of the issues to academic affairs that have been going on in the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we just kind of have to see uh, other people in the lab have to speak up before like anything's really done about it. Yeah. And they have to look at the faculty code of conduct, which is very extensive. And University of California has one. And then Davis has one in particular. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how they like what's the difference between the two. But I guess you can violate one without violating the other, <laughs> which yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. Like, uh, we're just going to abide by our own rules. Well, a lot of those things feel like they're for show. Yeah. Like they have them just to show that they've put in some amount of effort, but then when it actually comes to enforcing it, I mean, how do you enforce? Like, how do you tell people this is how you're supposed to behave at work? Actually, there's nowhere in, the faculty code of conduct that says you need to be nice to people. Mm. So you can be mean, but it just depends on like your actions associated with that. That makes a difference. Like you can be mean to people, but if you like have like are treating discriminating on them or like affecting the way that they work. Uh, I think that it depends on how the severity of it, but, um, then you can actually get disciplined for it. But yeah, I don't know how they, how they like figure that out, like what level of severity it is. Yeah. Cause just to be clear, you mentioned something about people screaming at each other on the oh, job. Yep. How do you, you know, how do you fix that with an academic code of conduct? <laughs> I don't exactly you have to know. record it. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about that. <laughs> Um, but I don't think that's legal for me to, yeah, you know, that's, play a, that's back. another thing is just recording stuff. Not to say, I'm not saying I did, I'm not <laughs> saying I didn't, but recording stuff in your own defense is problematic because you, you can't, so the person has to consent to even being recorded. Yeah. So you can't even show someone, Hey, this is what actually happened Yeah. because then you're 
also admitting, yeah, so. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> in your defense, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, not saying I, you know, did or did not, you know, record anybody. But <laughs> except on this podcast with You know, with uh, all of these uh, recording equipment. <laughs> well, I mean, I honestly feel like that is part of the reason why people came for me the way they did when I was in, when me and Bez were in the situation we were in with our housing is because they knew I was someone who recorded stuff. Yeah. And I was someone who I care about records and things like that. And as I kind of went through my process of discovering the true nature of the organization, one of the big things I found was they delete records. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a big part of their game. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, this guy's taking record of stuff. It's, we're not going to be able to do what we do with him around. Anyhow, I digress. Well, you know, in some way you're speaking about how things can go wrong, you know, in your life. What I want to pose to you, as I do to all the, all the newbies, all the new guests, is what is your concept of a good life? Honestly, I don't know exactly if, like, I, I don't think that it's possible. So it's not something I've ever really, like, A good life about. is possible for you? I don't think a perfect life exists. A perfect life, no. But and I so mean, I know better than a bad one. Like, what is the spectrum? What 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 kind of markers are you looking indicate? for? Indicate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not having to go to therapy every week. <laughs> not having to. <laughs> for someone else, it's going to therapy every week would be a good life. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I think that if, you know, eventually, well, I mean, I go to therapy every week mm -hmm. and I have been for a long time. I think that eventually... Like, the goal is not to have to go to therapy every week. Yeah. Um, I think that I would like to get myself financially stable. Yeah. Um, Money, right? Money is a part of a good life, sure. I kind of hate the fact that that's, that, that's the way that it is. That, <laughs> like, I mean, who, who enjoys being in debt? So, yeah. but I mean, I think that a lot of people just put off happiness for, um, just because the situation that you're in is you, you need to be financially stable to have happiness. And I think that for me, at least the entire time that I've been in college, which was seven years, I kept saying like happiness is once I graduate, happiness is once I graduate, you know, yeah. once I have time to have a full-time job and to be able to afford things. But now here I am graduating with a full-time job, <laughs> still not able miserable. to afford things. <laughs> yeah. And well, I don't know if miserable is the, the, a, a good word for it because it's no, not I'm I exaggerating think, I admit <laughs> but um I do think that uh that there is no like waiting for happiness around the corner it's just kind of like realizing that the whole saying of like happiness is what you make it right now is actually applicable because mm. it's not something that I ever really like thought about I was like no I'm too busy with school you know I'm too stressed out about this or I'm too stressed out about that like It'll be better once such and such happens. And I always thought that that was going to be the case. You know, it'll be better once I move to Davis. You know, it, where were you moving from? Uh, San Diego. Oh, really? You think Davis would be better than San Diego? I thought it would be nice to have my own place and to be away from the environment that I was in there. Um, I wanted so, a place to start new with new friends starting fresh. The yeah. whole like... You know, I don't want to just like, like the whole, I, I, I guess. Okay. So I, <laughs> this is like a background. Um, 
when I first started going to therapy, I realized that I'm not suicidal. I just want to stop existing. Mm. And so, I mean, that was such a weird concept to me because I thought like, okay, aren't they the same thing? Yeah. But like, I think that a way to solve my problems at that point was not necessarily to like die, was to like, hey, if I could change my name and move across the country and start up a new life, then I would be fine. Yeah. But yeah. like, I think that was kind of what I was not like what I was wanting when I moved to Davis, but I kind of wanted to start new, you know, without people knowing any background about me and just kind of being able to have a new life and start from the beginning and kind of make it the way that I want it to be. But even then, it's kind of like what you make it to be. It's yeah. not necessarily like a specific path that you're going to like, oh, okay, I have a 10-year plan and it's going to follow it perfectly. Like yeah, that never yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, uh, so I was in therapy. I was in this group therapy forced by a court <laughs> for um, about a few months, maybe eight months. And uh, it was I was programmed into the um, because it was like a mental health court. I was programmed in with the addicts. Mm. So most of my therapy was like it was weird because, you know, I'd be surrounded by people who was like, you know, heroin, methamphetamine. And I'm, I was like, I mean, I smoked a joint and it pretty much <laughs> I started hearing voices. I'm perfectly fine now. But uh, so one helped. of the. <laughs> Well, I mean, this gets into the both the good life question and the uh, reality of mental health and how they're connected. Mm -hmm. One of the things I took away from it was that you really, I really feel like happiness has to do with being in a good cycle where there's a there's a give and take. And it's not always like the most fun, but the cycle is it's like an investment in the sense that it's giving me back more than what I've put in. Mm. Whereas other cycles I put in and it's just gone. You know, I buy a pair of Nikes or whatever, the money's gone. If I buy a business, hopefully, you know, it, 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 it keeps generating money and I can get, yeah, so you get the point. But um, from that perspective, I've really found that uh, I've gravitated toward the arts, not so much in a serious way, you know, but in a way that's time consuming. Like the amount of time that I spend thinking about or involved in something artistic is a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it, I, I, you know, I'd like to think that I could fit in with the artists, you know, um, if, if I didn't tell them, you know, I study electrical engineering, <laughs> I'm highly involved. I, I, I used to love mathematics. Just, just put, that, put that aside. <laughs> it's not a part of you right now. Right. Well, I mean, I could get away with it, even though it is a growing part of me, right? The school years around the corner, I'm involved in more intense classes. My math half is coming back online in some sense, right? But um, I miss it. <laughs> you, well, I mean, like, I'm sure other people who graduate yeah. are like, I'm so glad that I don't have to think about exams or anything anymore. Yeah. But to me, I just miss it. Like, honestly, it was weird that, like, last, like, over the weekend, I was like, I really miss chemistry. And I downloaded two textbooks. There you go. See? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm honored that you're on this podcast. You're a real geek. <laughs> I was missing chemistry. I was like, man, I'm forgetting. Like, man, I'm forgetting my rate laws. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and that was making me sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You don't want to stress yourself out. All right. <laughs> Take a breather. <laughs> I was, the thing is also, I felt that like, there's so much to still learn. Like, I think that's what I miss and what I really overlooked 
when I was in school was the passion for learning. I feel like I was so focused on just graduating, 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 take as many yeah. classes as I can <laughs> and get out. But like, I think I never really focused on like enjoying what I'm learning as I'm learning it, even if it wasn't something that I was really interested in. Like one of my favorite classes that I took was uh, Chicano poetry. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it was really, really fun class. Um, what is the difference? What is Chicano poetry versus poetry? I think a lot of, I, I think it was the main things that we were, the the um, topics that we were covering mm. uh, were very uh, in, ingrained with Chicano culture. Okay. Um, but the, the structure of the poems are still, you know, metaphor, oh, alliteration, it's still the same I liked devices, how free right? it was. Because mm. because in the class, at least, the professor kept saying, like, this is not an English class. So it was really, like, you could write whatever you wanted to. And it didn't have to be, you know, like, focus on the stanzas, or yeah, it yeah. needed to rhyme, or it needed to have a certain amount of, you know, uh, syllables or something. Yeah. It, did, it was just kind of like, write down whatever you want in whatever order. You could write a paragraph yeah. if you wanted to, mm-hmm. just like writing. Mm-hmm. And it could be a poem. It, I liked how free it was because it didn't matter how you wrote. It just, like, we had to fit, like, a certain amount, like, we had to do a certain amount of similes and metaphors in it. Okay. But that was, like, it. That was the only requirement was have three similes and three metaphors in your poem. <laughs> and it was, like, really easy. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, what's funny about that is I actually think that's a horrible way to write poetry. It's to try to have three metaphors and three similes. I but think. Maybe, you know, I'm not Chicano. So <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect the culture. <laughs> I, I feel like it was, well, it was specific to that class. I think that a lot of the topics that they talked about were, were um, I think, I think a lot, I mean, the, the main, the majority of the population of the class was Chicano. Yeah. And, hopefully. um Yeah. <laughs> uh and um but i think for other people who were in the class that weren't it was it was very insightful too Mm. um but a lot of the topics that they covered um even even me who hasn't experienced them directly it's something that i could like relate to via my mom or via something you know like just knowing what's going on right now um i mean we talked about immigration of course we talked about like I think the first book that we read was my fa- one of my favorite because it was just talking about like things that you grew up with in your childhood that like, you know, other people wouldn't really understand. Mm. Um, I think it was like um, paletas, yeah. like uh, just literally like. What does that translate to, by the way? <laughs> ice cream. Oh, okay. Or like, uh, so like there would always be at least in like, chicken x neighborhoods there would always be like um uh like an ice cream man with their coming by pushing their their cart but they would sell like specific food and like the specific food like you won't really find in any other areas i would say like they have um elotes is corn it's corn corn okay but like you, you know you sell ice cream <laughs> and you sell corn just, just translate everything for me but yeah i follow you <laughs> you know you're just gonna ice cream with the side of corn sure but like that's that's one of the whole the things is like uh it was just very it, it was very like when i was reading the poems at least from from this author it was just very um 
dear like near and dear to my heart because it yeah. was something I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And like um I don't know, it I'm trying to think of the other poems, but like um the other poems were just like uh, I think a lot of people who not like a lot of people I would say, but like usually people of Hispanic culture tend to have somebody that they know or like by now I mean someone in their family who owns a farm or something along those lines. Like my mom grew up on a farm. Oh, wow. And so, um, there's like a whole, there was a poem about like chasing the goats (laughs) and it was like the goat had stole like the old man's glasses and was running around. And it was just like, I don't relate to that at all, but I could see like the, my mom, yeah. like in her backyard. Cause she, she would grow like in her, in the farm that she lived on was her grandmother's mm-hmm. and they would grow like mangoes and avocados and all of this. And my mom's like, yeah, I used to climb the trees and then just like pick mangoes and stay up there all day. And then like, I got in trouble for falling out of the tree one day, oh, wow. stuff like that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't essentially like something I related to directly, but it was just really interesting. Yeah. Well, that, agrees with my school of thought uh, for poetry, which is that it, the cultural kind of exchange is first and then all the literary devices, da, 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 that's afterwards. So like, what are you trying to say? What's the picture you're painting? Yeah. And then just whatever skill you have with the literary devices that should just come out as you're telling the story. I think one of the biggest things that I've l- at least learned in that class was like, how to say, like I, I used poetry as, a way to like get out my thoughts it was almost very like therapeutic in that sense there that's that's one of the cycles i was talking about and the thing was it was weird because i never would have written poetry or never would have wrote if it wasn't for this class Mm. like forcing me like giving me a topic and being like you need to talk about this particular topic and then write a poem about it Mm -hmm. and we had a read aloud of the our poems at the very end it was really interesting because a lot of people it was very different some people's poetry was about like, you know, loss of a loved one or some people, someone wrote a poem about how much they loved Hot Cheetos. There you go. Now that's a Chicano <laughs> studies class. <laughs> Chicano's poetry. <laughs> it was, it was a good. <laughs> and someone wrote about La Llorona, which is. Um, I've heard that before, but I don't know what it is. Um, I didn't know. I feel like everyone's La Llorona is different. It's like, um, because I didn't realize like it was different until we spoke in a big class full of people. Yeah. And they were like, no, this is the story. No, this is the story. Yeah. And it's like, it's like Bloody Mary. You hear different stories. It's, it's mm. a similar thing. Yeah. A ghost of some sort. Right. And then, yeah. you know, you tell your children, like, you know, you don't leave the house and sneak out because La Llorona is going to get you. <laughs> scare tactics. It's a scare tactic. For kids. But the thing is what I learned when I was there was that like people would use it for different contexts. Like mm. some would be like, Oh, you, you can't sneak out of the house or some people would say like, no, it was, you know, if you, you can't throw a fit, you know, if you throw a fit then like La Llorona is going to get you or something. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was, but people were using it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it just, I guess it's the whole, like, what are you going to use Bloody Mary for? <laughs> like uh, Bloody Mary is going to get you, you know, I don't know. It's like the boogeyman or whatever else, but it's, it's, it's of a different culture it is but back to the ice cream man for the ice cream man what are those uh those circular chip things that have the five spokes what are those called because that's what i always associate with the i really like that and i always forget the name i've heard people refer them as chicharons Mm. but 
the thing is but that's uh that's something else right yeah yeah um i because i asked and they were saying yeah pork rinds uh i but people referred them as chicharrones before and i was just like is that the same thing because i don't think they're the same thing but i don't know i know that they're i mean they're not they're not pork rinds they're made from a a plant but um (laughs) but um i don't exactly know i think i've asked my mom and she didn't know and i was like how are you you what <laughs> you order them like like whenever whenever the car comes by you always get them like what yeah. do you ask for and she's like oh i just point and i'm like what the fuck do you mean you just point <laughs> wow yeah so uh <laughs> same goes for me i just point yeah pork rinds are burned in my memory because i was locked up i was in a jail mm. and uh, it turns out pork rinds are like a very coveted item interesting <laughs> because people what happens is they're, they're served like slop is jail oh, food yeah. and then they have the they have the option to go to these like you know get like items you could get at a gas station once a week hmm. one of these items happens to be pork rinds okay who cares right mm-hmm. <laughs> these like you would be surprised what people can cook when they're under extreme circumstances oh yeah yeah somebody was like hey do you want some shrimp I said, what are you talking about? There's no, nobody serves shrimp around here. Yeah. You know what I mean? He handed me a pork rind that he, first of all, he made it look like a shrimp. <laughs> second of all, it talent. Actually, <laughs> talent. <laughs> second of all, it actually tasted like real shrimp. And what did like, he do oh, to that pork rind? I don't rind? know. But he had been working on it all day. <laughs> I mean, this was like, you know, this is the, this was his therapy. Oh, my God. But anyhow, chicharrones, I know the difference between some real chicharrones and those, you know. Five spokes. <laughs> five spokes. I, 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 I agree with like you. Three though. Three, whatever. You know, it depends on which which corn guy you go to, which ice cream man <laughs> you, hit, you hit up first. Um, I, what's funny is my my sister dated somebody who uh, had been in jail for a number of years, and he like what you made jail food for us one time, and we were a spread. Really, Did he call it a spread? I don't even know what he called it. Okay, describe it. I'll tell you. But he he used um, uh, like instant ramen. Yep. And like crushed up Doritos yep. and like a shit ton of hot sauce yep. and some other stuff and then put it in a Ziploc yes. and like pushed it down and then like let it sit for a while and then took it out and cut it in squares like a cake. Yeah. And I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't even know spread. what else. He added water to it, didn't he? I, don't, I think I don't that's why remember. I needed the Ziploc. So <laughs> when I was there, this was one of the things that I did because I didn't have any, you know, homework. <laughs> so I had to put my mind to something. Start doing calculus <laughs> on the walls. <laughs> well, in a way. What I, what I did was I started, uh, well, I think of it as a bank. But it involved those Ziploc bags. It turned out that I found a way to... Use a monetary them. system. <laughs> exactly. I used them to my advantage because I realized people were using them, but they weren't like, there was no value for them. You know, like those, those soups, you would think, okay, it's 99 cents or whatever for like 30 of them. Right. Those things are used like they're a real currency. It's, it's surprising. I mean, I heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Like you can, it's a big deal. You can play a basketball game and bet 50 soups. <laughs> And lose, and then you you're in debt to somebody. You're in debt via soup. Yeah, via soups. It's 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 insane. People just stuff them under their beds. Dang. Yeah, How do they a, get them? How do they acquire these things, though? <laughs> they get them delivered once a week. 
By whom? By whatever company delivers them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like this system where they got this know, connection outside. They, yeah, somebody. Well, indirectly, it's people who are living outside of the jail who are giving you money into an account, and then you can spend the money from that account on select items, and then those said items get delivered on select days. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, he made you a spread. That's what it's called. That's the proper name. A spread. Yeah. I don't know why <laughs> it's called spread, but you know, it actually creeped me out the first time somebody said, hey man, you want some spread? I said, I don't think so, man. <laughs> I don't think I want that at all. And it turned out it's exactly what I wanted. It what else in was shrink. in it though? I don't really know. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It always has those soups. And some kind of chip. That's like the basic recipe for a spread. So chip and those and are the, a soup. Those are the first two items you named. So I knew immediately. The specialty shrimp. Yeah. Shrimp spe- soup. Well, that's the thing. The chicharrones are like, that's extra. Took, that's like somebody really going the shrimp out. sauce. The, the oh, yeah, they the took packet. it from the top ramen. Yeah. And you yeah, take it tastes a, like shrimp. Come on. You use the little jellies from the lunch and you. The little gel. powder. Yeah. You know, there's a thousand things you can do. All right. Let's not get into it. The point is, I recognize the chicharrones. <laughs> You've had a spread before. I've had. <laughs> and uh, what was the name of the ghost? Uh, la Llorona. Yeah, La Llorona. Okay, so speaking of La Llorona, you know, we're here and then who knows what. What do you think happens after we leave this realm, so to speak? Do you mean the whole afterlife thing? Possibly. Um, I mean, I don't believe in an afterlife. Okay. I think that we decompose in the earth. Yeah. We, our <laughs> okay, matter so, becomes part of the earth. Yeah. I, first of all, I agree. Second is, <laughs> so in that case, what do you think it is? What do you think you are? Like the thing that you identify as you? Because if we chopped off our foot, you'd still probably think you're you, right? Well, I don't think that, I mean, I like the whole idea of a soul and what happens to your soul after you die. I think that it's just, I mean. Perhaps even without a soul. Like, do you think that you have an identity now? Or not even, like, your consciousness, what is that? I I feel like the idea of consciousness, I feel like I would want to study more psychology before giving an educated answer yeah. about this. I also feel like a lot of people ask opinions on things that, like, I think that I'm not educated enough to actually say. Which, I mean, I have an opinion about, but I also don't want to take a stance without being educated. Take an uneducated stance. (laughs) An uneducated stance. I feel like that's like the issue (laughs) with with, with society these days, you know, this uneducated stance. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, not knowing is probably the best answer because I I don't think anybody knows, you know. I think that for consciousness, I think that it's, I mean, it's all psychological. I think that I took a... in a philosophy class, it got very, very philosophical in the sense that, like, how do you, how are you aware that the world around you is actually real? And then I was th- sitting there thinking. That's probably not a good class for you. And I was just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was just sitting there like, you just like, I mean, other than like the way that I describe it with science and scientific experiments and knowing, but like. If it's just all my consciousness, 
how am I aware that I'm alive and here right now and everything that's going on around me is actually happening? What if it's all just a dream and I'm going to wake up from a coma? Now, let's assume it is a dream. Would you live your life differently? I don't know. I don't think I would. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. I think I would. St- I think I would. I would. I don't know if it's fear. I, I noticed that actually in therapy and everything that fear is a main driver of a lot of th- a lot of things that people do. Yeah. And it prevents people from doing a lot of things. Yeah. And when you stop being scared of those things, then you start doing more. And because someone actually going back to the work, please, I was at a please. work. <laughs> I was at a, uh, uh, my lab went to like an event for the entire department and everyone was, I mean, we're, they're all scientists. So obviously not like, obviously this is stereotyping. <laughs> they were very antisocial. Oh, okay. No, and, that is obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, um, they were, uh, like just sitting by themselves eating food that was provided, but they weren't playing any of the games. And the people who are playing games are only playing games as their lab. Mm against other labs and um uh i recognized somebody who was in our lab previously but moved to a different lab and i was like hey you know we should go say hi to him and one of the postdocs goes and just comes up to me was like how do we do that how how oh that's it wow and i was like what do you mean how just go say hi and she was just like oh i'll go say hi if you come with me okay and i was just like normal actually i mean okay but like for me, I'm just I'm a very social person. So for me, it was just by, I would have just went up and were like, "Hey, yeah. introduce me to the rest of your lab. Like, let's figure out what we're playing right now." Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, and what were they playing? I don't even remember. It was like it wasn't cricket, but it was something similar of like baseball, wiffle <laughs> <laughs> ball. It was oh, man. I don't. I know. I know that I pronounced it wrong. That's how, like, mm. how much I didn't know what this was. <laughs> um, so, like, a foreign type of Some game. sort of game. Yeah. But um, enough of the people in the department knew what it was or were playing it. If not, they were learning right then and there. Yeah. Um, but I went up to them and I just started talking. And I think once we left, they were just kind of like, how do you do that? And I'm like, how do I do what? Talk to yeah. people? Yeah. And it was just very interesting. And they... I could see that like their actions were dictated by fear and it was like, well, what are you scared of? Mm. Like you're scared of not seeming like you're scared of seeming awkward or you're scared of people's judgments about you or whatever it was. And I think that I used to be that way, man. (laughs) I used to actually, uh, I would call, I was so, I had such bad anxiety that I would call a doctor to make a doctor's appointment. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, hello, like, uh, doctor, whatever's office, I would hear that and I would hang up. Oh, wow. And I would call them back and I would start to have a conversation. And then I would get scared if they asked me, like, a too intimidating question. Yeah. What time are you available? I hung up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I would call How back. How old were you when you were doing this? I was in my teens. Oh. But, like, oh. yeah, I, well... Yeah, but like, I mean, I got into college at 14. So, oh, like, wow, really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting story. But, uh, I mean, I was in college at this point and I was still having issues with that. And 
the thing was eventually like I would just I mean I'll call them back and be like, oh yeah, uh, I got disconnected. <laughs> but then I would do that multiple times. <laughs> I don't know if they caught on. Yeah. But uh yeah, eventually eventually I was okay. I was like, they can't see me. They can't see me. Yeah. You know, they don't know who I am unless so, I so show up. How did you get from there to where you are now? I think the thing is it all takes like one chance. And I think one of the main things that I did was I would go out in public to random strangers and like have this happen. So like, um, say I was at like a concert or a fair, mm -hmm. whatever it was, I would just start talking to people that were strangers. And then if they leave, then they, you know, they never know. They don't know me anymore. Right. I'm not whatever impression I left on them. They won't ever see me again. Yeah. And I think that the same thing happened was like, if I ever did something in public or like talk to somebody, it was like, you know, they'll never know me ever again. I think I started on like the internet, which was, you know, like it, it, obviously. Uh, and I think I started slowly becoming friends with people that I didn't know that were like in the distant circle, like friends of friends. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, I can talk, I can talk to strangers. Let me just repeat this in real life. Did um, you find that talking to the friends of friends was a different experience than the strangers? Yes, because I felt that they kind of knew me. Yeah. And if I just disappeared <laughs> off the radar, then it, like they could go through my friend and find yeah, me. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that it was it was just a lot easier with strangers, and that um, when I went in in a different setting, it was just easier for me to talk to people, at least in class or something like that. I'd be like, you know, my class is five hundred students. If I t if I sat and talked to this one person one time and I was super fucking awkward, then I can just go to the other side of the class yeah, and they won't true. find me. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it became easier uh, when you start putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. My therapist's saying, and she says this a lot, is that with therapy, you're being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that she always says that, always repeats that. And then whenever I'm in a situation of like, trying to overcome whatever it is that we were working on. She's like, it's just about being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's true in a lot of things. Usually the people who progress the farthest are the people who are willing to deal with the worst parts for longer. Yeah. Because then that's not holding you back. I think that like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of it is dictated by fear. And I think I still do that. Like a lot of my actions are dictated by fear. And I think, well, it's, I, I mean, mean some of, of them should be. I mean, you shouldn't be fearless. Yeah, That's dangerous. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, things that just seem irrational. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is, like, people can still be, like, afraid of, like, you know, I, I don't want to go to the gym because what if everybody's judging me? Something like that. And it's like, yeah. okay, we'll just go. And then you feel the fear of judgment or something like that. But then it's like, you start just thinking about not what other, what other people think of you. But just kind of to live, not like in your own bubble, but just to be more self-assured. And I think slowly and slowly, like being more self-confident and have, having self-assurance, will it, it helps you grow to be less fearful of situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when you're talking to these strangers, you're basically in like a training experiment where the, you, you've reduced the negative consequences, but you still can get the positives. I think the same goes for, like, at least in my position currently. Um, 
applying for jobs. Mm. It used to be scary to apply for jobs. It's like, what if they turn me down? It's like, okay, well, I won't even get the option to like them turning me down and not turning me down unless I, you know, apply. Right. You know, what's the worst that could happen? That's another thing too. Oh, like I always say, you know, what's the worst that could happen? They turn me down. Right. Well, if I don't apply, then I'm <laughs> turning myself down anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or like if I don't go to the gym, then it's like, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen if I went to the gym? Okay, so some person sees me working out <gasps> at the gym. I don't know. But, really? Is uh, that a fear? I actually hope people see me working out. I get scared. I'm like, what, <laughs> what if they see I'm like, I'm, I don't know anything of what I'm doing right now. And I probably look a fucking idiot and I'm sweating everywhere. Yeah, I get worried about that. And I think after a while, I was just like, I used to go to the gym when no one was at the gym just because I was scared about that. I was like, oh, yeah. somebody's showing up. Gotta leave. <laughs> like, Did you ever turn off the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever leave when someone came in that you knew or? Oh, man, if someone I knew saw me, I was like, oh, fuck, I can't back out now. Yeah. <laughs> or like, I wonder how long they think I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've been seeing the same person at the gym. I've been seeing this person everywhere. And I don't know why. I never saw them before. But it was like I was biking. I felt like it was the middle of the night. And I saw them walking with someone. And then they pointed at me. And I was like, dude, why am I running into this person so much? But mm. the gym is the number one place. Mm. I think they work at the gym. Are they pointing at you? Yeah, they're not. They're not a fan. Oh, what? <laughs> what did you do? It was a misunderstanding. I didn't do anything to them. I didn't do anything to them. It's more of a teams versus teams mentality that's kind of brewing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. At the gym. Not at the gym. I just have seen them at the gym. I've had the experience that you feared. Mm. The experience that... Actually, another thing, too. Um, I, I told my friend about, like... So, when I was younger, I got, like, a spider laid eggs in my ear. Really? The ultimate fear. The ultimate fear of spiders. Yeah. And she uses that now as, like, a... like uh, What was it? Uh, she uses that as, like, a fear tactic of, like... Spiders, you got to squish the spider. You got to get rid of the spider because they'll lay eggs in your ear. And everyone's like, no, they won't. Like, what? That that seems stupid. Like, you know, that seems like something that, you know, a kid would make up. And they're like, no, Carla they has. They actually like, do. They yeah. actually do. And um, I think ever since then, they, they someone was like, are you scared of spiders now? And I'm like, well, what's the worst I can do? Lay eggs in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> people really don't believe that. I tell people all the time, you should start off from the worst position. Yeah. Because then it's all improvement from there. It's all up from there. It's all up. Nothing bad is going to happen. So I ran the stranger experiment, and I still do this. But I do it to the extreme. <laughs> where, Interesting. Where I try, I actually try hard to make a bad impression. Hmm. Um, and then after it's that. It's all up from there. Yeah, it's all up from there. But I do it, I try to do it in a way that's like honest, genuine. You know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm, I'm having a hard time painting this picture. Okay, this is, this is basically how I set up the you know, study. I, I first try to observe my actual character flaws when I'm not trying to be you know, a bad person. And then I try to take those and exaggerate them in the situation where it's new, but it's with a stranger. Hmm. That way... <laughs> That way, the the new person, the stranger, is getting the worst of me exaggerated. But if they don't like it, I also don't have to deal with them. 
I think another thing too is I've started being honest with people like right at the get go because like there's so many people that you are friends with for a while and then you're like, yeah, so (laughs) I have major depressive disorder and there's some things that happen and like I'll just get moody sometimes. And if you don't hear from me for three weeks, I didn't die. I just turned off my phone for three weeks. (laughs) And I'm alive, no, that, but I might that, be on the floor of my bedroom. That's extremely helpful, especially the three weeks thing. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I'm i just like, honestly, I'm just really bad with using my phone in general. Uh, I apologize to no, you because no, like my phone is normally not on my person at all. Yeah. That's probably healthy. I think it's better compared to like what people live, the way people live attached to their phones now. But at the same time, Everyone lives attached to their phones, so they're expecting, not like expectations or like expecting me to, yeah. but like if I don't reply to a text, it's probably because I left like at, when I'm at work, my phone stays in my bag all day at work mm-hmm. unless I like check it during lunch or something or like when I'm at throughout the day, like I'm watching TV, I don't need my phone near me. Although that is funny <laughs> that you're watching TV, but uh, you know, I'm healthy. I, I don't <laughs> use my phone. You know what I'm, I'm saying? watching TV when while I'm watching we... hella TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm watching <laughs> TV with people. With okay, people. It's social. You guys it's are social. next to each other while you're watching staring TV. at the screen. We can laugh and make comments. See, it's 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 more engaging. I guess the comments are engaging. We're we watching Adventure Time. <laughs> All right, then that's fair. I've never watched Adventure Time before this, and then it was the first time. Do you have an Adventure Time thing? That's Gabe's. Oh. Yeah. He he has all the coaster. Coaster. Yeah. We have a lot of dispensary coasters there too. (laughs) Those are all dispensary coasters. F Street. F Street? 420. (laughs) 420 F Street. Of course. (laughs) This is not a paid advertisement. Uh, that would be crazy though. Sponsor if they, me? If they sponsored, oh my God. If they, if they provided free weed, I don't even smoke weed anymore, but I would love to have free weed for my guests. Currency. Yeah. I mean. And humbled. It's like currency. Yeah. Did you ever, did, you, did Gabe ever tell you the story about like uh, picking up a pizza for his friend? No. So Gabe was out at Costco and I guess he sent a snap to his friend who lives downstairs from him. Sorry, I have a hard time breathing. <laughs> um, I have a iron deficiency, and it makes my my it makes difficulty breathing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was out at Costco. I <laughs> just pick back up the story. He was out at Costco, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he sent a snap to his friend, and his friend um, uh, noticed that he was at Costco and was like, "Hey, can you bring me a pizza?" Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Yeah, sure." And he picked up a pizza and then brought it to his friend because he was. He came back home. He lived downstairs from him. And his friend didn't have any money. It was like, hey, just here's a bag of weed. Yeah. And just paid for his pizza and weed. And a lot of people were like, hey, you know, thanks for the ride. And then give them a bag of weed. So it's like, gave us all this weed that he doesn't smoke. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then, is, you know. Is he just, from Humboldt? No. Uh, so I'll give you like a background of me because, so that you like understand. So I... The Humboldt reference. That's Humboldt. the only reason why I asked. Well, he he went to school in Humboldt. Got you. I was gonna say like, uh, I I was born in Bakersfield, but then mm-hmm. I lived in Maryland, Texas, Mexico, San Diego, and I'm here. So like, wow. ex- like you could ask me about the East Coast or uh, 
Texas. <laughs> For some reason, Texas stands out to me as like Texas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not you a good experience. Like oh, I did not like Texas. Yeah. I would never go back. Mm. I mean, I went back to visit my sister, but I, don't, I would never live there again. I tried to when I went to Texas again. I tried to experience it, like actually experience Texas instead of just living there. Like visit the place, and it was good. I appreciate Texas. But that's the thing. Like, I have an appreciation for Texas. That doesn't necessarily mean that I like it. <laughs> like, I was like, hmm, 75 or uh, it was like 95 degrees in December at three in the morning. Mm. I mean. Yeah, that's not <laughs> It's December. And uh, heat, it's hard to escape. It's, you can't. It, it, the thing is, it's also like densely humid there without the rain. And the thing is, it would rain, too, and it would still be over 100 with the rain. The rain was warm, yeah. and it would be flooding, like flooding, but the rain was like bath temperature. It was really weird. It's definitely yeah. experience that I've never I've never experienced anywhere else is like, like a rain that's warm, um, or it being very warm and humid outside while it's raining. Because on the West Coast, you always get like... I don't know, it's cold and rainy. Mm -hmm. But like on the East Coast, at least, it rains during the summer. Like summer's the rainy season here in California. Like rainy season is the winter. So yeah. like that's essentially, I think it's like why people associate it with being cold versus associating it with it being hot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I spent a little bit of time in Alabama. Uh, other than that, I've been in California and obviously I prefer it. <laughs> I understand. There's a there's a lot. I think I miss the East Coast because I miss Maryland. Actually, that I I would like to go to the East Coast, but I don't like super cold shit though. So I think well, you you don't like the cold. No, I don't. I like that it's nice all the time, and that's. I mean, where else can you get it? Not not anywhere other than California, though, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's it spoils you. I grew up skateboarding. You can skateboard every day in oh, California. Oh, yeah. All year round. Yeah. I mean, on the East Coast, you have the accidentally slipping on dry ice. <laughs> <laughs> but the, <laughs> or, like, I mean, the black ice, whatever. The culture, though, to me, is something oh, that I different. feel like is, um, I think I would grow if I uh, went to the East Coast in a way that I wouldn't if I stay here. Oh, yeah. The East Coast is definitely has a different way about it. Um, my friend came from the East Coast, my best friend. We, like... We've been friends for around 10 years now, um, and I met her in Maryland, and she is, like, she was born in uh, Wisconsin, grew up in Georgia, lived mm -hmm. in Maryland, and so she's never experienced, like, California life or, like, West Coast type of environment or culture, and so when she came here, she came to watch me graduate from Davis, and she... She had told me this previously, but she's like, everyone in California is so sensitive. Mm. Oh, yeah, especially now. And she, she like, no, I think her notes were like, people are very trendy here. Mm -hmm. And they are very sensitive and like, very politically correct. Yeah, the PC has taken over. It's to the point now where it's it's not even aligned with truth. It's not even... It's not even interesting to say something that's true now. It's only interesting to say something that the aligns with a team's objectives. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's, um, it can be frustrating because 
it's it almost seems like a joke until like you realize that there's power involved yeah and and you know once there's power involved everyone kind of has to conform just to survive but uh hopefully it's i don't think it's sustainable i think it's definitely like just like just any anything here like feminism or this or that is just kind of taken to the extreme like there is there is a level of which it's like it's like i don't know like feminism is a good thing but then there's always radical feminists or there's always people who like uh you know or people who agree with lgbt rights but then you always have the people who are opposite and the thing is the people who are you know sexist or transphobic or whatever uh homophobic they always are against the people who are very radical yeah whatever version is like the opposite and i think that like they they validate their their reasoning by saying like oh it's because of these particular people and the thing is it's not like it shouldn't be that way because my my sister she's anti-feminist and i was just like what does it mean yeah and every time i talked to her i was like you know, you're my sister, you're anti-feminist. And I, I just want to know why. And a lot of her reasoning was literally just had to do with radical feminism. Yeah. Well, and the, the radical, the, the, basically the, uh, the moderate people, the, the vast majority of people seem to be in the middle, Yeah. but they either don't or can't separate themselves from the radicals. So then the radical becomes the battle cry for everyone. Yeah. And then if you're against the radicals, now suddenly you're against the moderates, even if you agree with them. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, man, it's too messy. There's no, there's no way to just be in the middle anymore. You can't be in the middle. You can't be nuanced. You can't um, You can't have a unique perspective without being persecuted for it. You have to it, – it's just the cost is too high. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, on, I remember on the, on the racism side, one thing I felt odd when I was a kid was uh, the idea that – Everyone who's not your race is racist. That was a view at one point. And it's mm. it's like a subtle thing that's, uh, you know, it can kind of permeate through the culture. But then if you if you say like, well, you know, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on which circle you're around. I don't think it's really that big of a deal for you to say maybe not in that situation, right, for, for racism, if you are of the tribe, so to speak. But for other ones, it's like, there's there's yeah. not even a chance like you said feminism there's no way as a as a dude in yeah. this current climate you can say anything close to that <laughs> you just it's, have to go with it even if you disagree with it just for your own safety yeah <laughs> literally for your own safety <laughs> i think actually um oh perfect example the all men are trash thing i remember i started a small debate and then immediately backed out of it when i realized w- who i was dealing with but uh, somebody was saying, oh, yeah, all men are trash. And I said, well, there are there any men who aren't trash? <laughs> you know, what does it mean? What does it mean to be trash? And then I saw the facial expressions in the room. And I just say, you know what? Never mind. I, I, this oh is not God. worth it. This is discussion. I'm not having. I'm thinking we're going to have an exchange of ideas. Yeah. That's not what's going on. People are very, very <laughs> stubborn. And like. I don't know. It's either like the whole your your way or no way type of attitude. Actually, what was funny is when you said that, I, I remembered 
I wrote a poem uh, for Chicanos. <laughs> and one of the of one of the lines that I said um, was uh, like having to hide the way that you feel for fear of being you. Hmm. Because like if you yeah, express the way that you you feel or express the way that you are, then there's this this feeling of like you know, you're going to be attacked for yeah. being yourself. Right. You're feeling like, you know, in that situ situation, it's like you can't express yourself in the way that you are because, oh, I'm going to be attacked for these people verbally or physically or something, yeah. you know? And it's the whole, like, fear of being you type. Like, that's the yeah. way that it is now for a lot of people. But there's an answer, which is you can still be you, but you just can't do it around the people who are going to be crazy about it. <laughs> It's true. But just then go still... somewhere else. Just have the same discussion with someone who actually wants to have that discussion. Yeah. Just don't have it with people who obviously don't want to have it. I think another thing too, though, but like, say, like, um, like, well, at least, okay. So in the East Coast, it's very um, homophobic, especially in Texas. Mm. So East if you Coast, ever express you mean, uh, south or southwest. Um, in Maryland, parts of Maryland was okay. kind of like that for a long time. Okay. And then, um, and then the more South that you go, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, just headed down towards the South gets very homophobic, especially in Texas. Texas I mean, is the South, obviously. Right? Texas is the South. Yeah. All right. It's, it's just because it, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like it is, <laughs> but culturally maybe it's more important. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's very homophobic in the, the Bible belt region is what it's referred to as. Yes. Um, I've heard of this place. <laughs> this place. Uh, and it just gets very like that. But so if you were to express yourself there, it, it's too you could, consequential. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd literally get, you'd be scared of getting physically attacked by somebody yeah. or just like people expressing their opinions on like anything, you know, like. If someone were to go to the South with a fuck Trump shirt, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure something would happen. And it's a football culture in the South. Actually. <laughs> people people actually like, in my ex experience, physically bigger than in California. Yeah. <laughs> More oh, aggressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I don't even understand <laughs> why, though. I think it's the way people eat, the way people, you know, what they value when they're growing up. Like, you can just breed like monsters if you want every generation. We just don't do that. We're yeah. trying to breed like the artiste, you know, <laughs> the writer. You don't the need writer. to be big to be a writer. The creative. Yeah. Um, but you know. I was over at my friend's place and um, she, well, one of her friends, so her mom, she's actually, which is really, okay, sorry. I just like, I go on tangents and just like never actually finish any of the sentences. I understand what's going on. <laughs> um, my friend who's also my coworker, she's half black and half Filipino. And her mom is a Trump supporter, okay. which is very interesting to and me. And the mom is the Filipino one? Yes. Hmm. And so uh, it's so interesting to me, like how that could be, but also like uh, her boyfriend was given a Trump t-shirt hmm. and, um, and uh, he, he was like, hey, look what I have. And he pulls out this trump t-shirt and then um his friend was wearing it when they went out to mm. see see how people would react yeah and um i i get mixed reactions of like when i tell people this how they respond yeah so they were they were gonna go out to like 
have this social experiment. And then when people, you know, were like going to say something to them, they'd be like, I'm not a Trump supporter. You're just mad over a t-shirt mm-hmm. to kind of like give, you know, like, I think that it was like, I don't know, this seems very philosophical of like pointing out discrepancies yeah. of like what people are mad about, you know, but I also think that like, if people also think that, oh, that's just really stupid. It's another response that you yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. I think of it more in a philosophical way of like, that's interesting. Like challenging people's views of literally it's just a t-shirt. Yeah. And that like, you know, the same way with the way that people dress or the way that people do anything. It's just like, there's already these like preconceived ideas of people going in. Mm. Did you know that I'm a Trump supporter? I'd be fine with it. I'm just kidding. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I think that... That, um, I mean, I don't know if my friend is, but either way, I think that people should, like, you know, there's, if you were, there's probably reasons that you would <laughs> Actually, be. Actually, now that I think about it, I am, but not for the presidency. Okay. <laughs> I just generally support Trump. And, you know, he's an interesting kind of entertaining guy. <laughs> he brings up a lot of... Uh, and he, he's able to run experiments that you and I could never do. Oh, for sure. I mean, if I could, I might actually be Trump. <laughs> be in that position? Yeah. If I, could, if I could, you know, get away with certain things, if I could push certain boundaries, you know, I might actually go for it. You might become the physical embodiment <laughs> of Trump. As far as I'm concerned, I am Trump. (laughs) No. I mean... What is Trump? What is... Yeah. Is is it just an idea? I mean, we were just talking. This could be a simulation. It seems like a pretty interesting bug. A virus, perhaps, from the aphids. Virus. Let's say (laughs) that. Yeah. I'm sure that that's what's what's the issue with the world, is that someone, aka me, uh, walked out of the (laughs) department with an aphid hidden in my hair, Mm. and I released it. You released it. Some That's where all the allergens are coming from. The three eyed beings from Saturn or wherever. Area fifty one. Area fifty area fifty one. They were doing an experiment. They had a couple of computers, a few aphids, a few drinks. <laughs> a few tomato plants. <laughs> and then Trump. <laughs> Just in a big like big like witches witches pot. <laughs> Just is throw them in. Throw in some pork rice, some chicharrones, <laughs> just for fun. You know? <laughs> it's such an experiment, uh, man. You know, it could just be an experiment. It really is. It could just you be know? fucking with everybody's mind. Well, I we mean, fuck we with know our that own mind. We know way. that the government does does some experiments on people. So, I mean, yeah, is this not just another? Yeah. Do man. we even know what the electrical electoral college system even does? Uh, I don't. I mean, nobody does. <laughs> See, they have, they have, they have control. They've got it. They, who is this they? It's one person. It's one person. They single, single them. embodiment. Yeah. Trump. <laughs> Their pronoun is them. Them and they. <laughs> them, they. Them is uh, the being that started it all. Some call them, you know, the deity, God. Others, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Long live, you know, the great one. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I think it's time to wrap things up with the most important important question question in the universe. universe. Okay. Circle or triangle? 
This is going to need its own podcast. I mean, you can take as long as you'd like. Some people have waited a whole three minutes to answer these questions. And still got it. Can it choose square? Circle or triangle? Depends on how philosophical you get with this question. You can move the dial however you want, more or less, whatever you see. You know. I'm going to go with circle. That's right. 